got to stand up strong Face the truth about themselves To understand what went wrong I know we can find a way I know we can find a way I know we can find a way Stand up Stand up Stand up Uniting the races with truth Instead of dividing them with lies, we're also rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Good morning. Welcome to the second hour of the show today. If you didn't hear the first hour, you can podcast all the shows. I recommend you do. Very, very interesting. It's uh, about idol worshiping. Check it out. All right. Podcast the show. And we'll talk a little bit about yesterday's uh, fellowship. It was amazing. And you can check out the fellowship from yesterday, Sunday, by going to rebuildingtheman.com slash church. Rebuildingtheman.com slash church. And brand new biblical question. Brand new biblical question. What is sanity? What is sanity? You heard about insane, right? What is sanity? Sanity. Am I saying it right? Huh? Sanity. What is it? I never hear about sanity. So what is it? Brand new biblical question, all right? It's a doozy. Uh, we have every way that you can watch and support the show listed on com slash show. com slash show. And if you're out and about, Anywhere in the world, exercising, laying out at a beach, anywhere, you can listen to the show on your iPhone or iPad by calling the listen line at 641-793-1500, 641-793-1500, and follow us on twitter.com slash JLP Talk, Twitter dot com slash JLP talk and Instagram dot com slash Jesse Lee Peterson Instagram dot com slash Jesse Lee Peterson women form this Thursday ladies for ladies only every third Thursday night we have the women's forum for ladies only first Thursday night for men only and Sunday morning for everybody so I want to go quickly back to it's not Michael, it's Michelle. And he was talking about uh, racism and Jim Crow and blah, blah, blah. And then I, we're going to move it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Michelle, Michelle. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Michelle. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, so all I wanted to say was that since you grew up in the time that was Jim Crow and segregated, and you also said that... Um, it's not about racism, it's about good versus evil, right? So black people were hard working, didn't complain about the situation, weren't having boatloads out of kids, uh, you know, and wedlock, basically. So what reason did they have to believe to segregate them from that society if they knew nothing about them? They're hardworking people, they weren't out killing each other, they weren't having boatloads of kids out of wedlock. What reason did they have, what evidence did they have to believe to segregate black people from regular society? If we're all God's children, they're all God-fearing people. Why use the bad apples in the community to cast out an entire group of people who are all supposed to be equal? Um, I mean, I don't understand. Maybe you can enlighten me on that. Well, because not why. all people are God's children. Not all people. Only those who have returned to the Father and been born of the Spirit of the Father uh, are God's children. So you had people like Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and those people who were not sons of God, right? And they use Martin Luther King and these guys as big-time preachers in order to deceive the the blacks who were angry. And they built this illusion that black people were having it rough and that white people were holding them back. And when in reality, blacks were doing much better then than they are today. And so they built a uh, uh, an illusion that caused people to believe in it. And they found a... 
a person like Martin Luther King, who was supposed to be, his father was a preacher, well-known there in Atlanta and other places, and they used those people in order to seduce the blacks. But during those times, there were most of the, many of the older black people did not agree with the civil rights movement. They were even told, I remember my great-grandparents, I mean, my grandparents telling us, don't get involved with that mess. That ain't nothing but mess. These people trying to control you. And so a lot of older black people knew it was a bunch of mess and that they should not let go of their independence to be free thinkers and to build and to have families and to love this country because it is the greatest country on this side of heaven. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair statement. Um, all I wanted to know is that, I mean, Martin Luther King had, had a part in influencing how things changed. I know. Um, what a mess, huh? That. Go ahead. No, I said, yeah, he had a part in influencing how things changed, whether it be for good or for worse. But he didn't necessarily, like, you know, from the 1870s to 1920s when everything was still segregated, it had nothing to do with him. So those people, isn't it a coincidence that there was that much people not of the father? And, and, and it was amazing. It was amazing, too, that blacks were better off being segregated because it forced them to rely on themselves than those blacks who are now segregated. And now they uh, they don't like the white people. They want to be segregation graduations. They want segregation dormitory dorms at schools. And the blacks are worse off today in their mentality and in their lack of ability to be independent anymore. That's why I showed you those statues that the blacks have built, and they were horrible. They're horrific. They had no meaning. It was just junk beforehand, had they maintained their independence, I guarantee you those statues would have been amazing statues because they would have a different meaning, a meaning of love rather than hate. Yeah, I agree with that. I just view it as if we're all Americans, there should have been no segregation. Whether we were good, independent or not, I feel as though... Why shouldn't there have been... Why, why? Why shouldn't there have been segregation? Right. Because if there was... If, we, if we're American... And our economy is stronger as a unit. Why separate the independent blacks from the independent independent whites? Why not just be one society and all be equally as strong? But why, why don't don't communities have the right to segregate? I remember growing up, the blacks who knew the bad blacks didn't want us around the bad blacks. They were segregated. They wouldn't let us as kids. We couldn't play with the bad kids because they knew that. Um, the bad kids had bad parents. And so likewise, had they let, had the people not fallen for the trick of the so-called civil rights movement, the, the good people would have come together naturally and it wouldn't have been about color. And the bad people would have been together in their badness. It, it would have happened naturally. Yeah, perhaps that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be like that from the moment that we had the Civil War or whatever, whatever people want to call it, right? Um, but it's never going to work that been. way because even now with the so-called civil rights movement, people are not together. They're more divided than any other time in history because blacks are trying to impose themselves on people, the so-called civil rights movement, and you can't make someone love you. It has to happen naturally. I can't agree with you more. Only God can do that. I understand. I agree with you. I understand your perspective. I appreciate your perspective. I'm just trying to learn. From your point of view, I just had some questions of my own. That's all. Right on. Well, no, amazing question, man. I appreciate that. Do you love white people? Yeah, I mean, my babysitter when I was growing up was white. I grew up in a white suburb outside of Boston. I mean, I have no problem with white people. Nice. Do you have good hair or you have a fro? (laughs) Wavelength, wavelength. It's it's, it's curly nappy. (laughs) Curly nappy. (laughs) All right, buddy. I appreciate your call. All right, call me anytime. Uh, Cool. Have a great day. You too. I have with me, there's one line open, 888-775-3773. I have with me holding on here, Chad O. Jackson. And Chad is a Dallas-based entrepreneur and researcher. One of the greatest researchers, one of them, that I've ever seen. What the amazing researcher who starred in the hit, 2020 film, Uncle Tom and Uncle Tom 2.
Amazing. Uh, Chad, welcome to the show. Hey, Jesse, thank you for having me. Yes, I wanted sir. to come on uh, through video, but I'm traveling right now, so right. apologies for that. Well, I appreciate your time. Uh, today is a uh, uh, so-called celebration of Martin Luther King's birthday, and I thought of you because you did such an amazing uh, thing, researching, putting together Uncontrol 1 and 2, that I wanted to have you on for a few minutes to discuss this day. Um, um, everyone, conservative and liberal, is calling Doctor is calling today Martin Luther King Day a special day. What do you say about that? Yeah, and that's part of the deception. Um, and it, it's interesting to see conservatives uh, celebrate Martin Luther King in this day and to commemorate and pay homage to. When the facts are what the facts are, Martin Luther King himself talked about how he wanted redistribution of wealth, how he wanted a universal income. Um, he believed and subscribed to Marxism. Uh, it's in his journals, it's in his correspondence, uh, his friends, people who he were close to, who were in closed door meetings with him, uh, confirmed and validated this. And yet conservatives, for some reason, uh, ignore all of that, and they focus on the dream speech and say, for that reason, he is worthy of all the respect, all the worship, all the honor, all the praise, basically worshiping him as a god. And little do they know that that I Have a Dream speech wasn't even written by him. It was written by Clarence B. Jones, Byard Reston, and Stanley Levison, all of whom were communists. And again, the reason I use the word deception is because the reason why a communist would use such pro-America uh, such, you know, um, romantic language, even though they don't believe in it, it's disingenuous as far as they're concerned. But the reason they would use that is to position themselves and to posture themselves as if they are the good guys. They want to a- appear as a sheep, even though they're wolves. And they were so calculated with it, so meticulous with it, and they pulled it off so well, again, that they were able to dupe an entire generation of people into believing that Martin Luther King was a kind of saint. And a lot of people who were previously reluctant to, uh, to you know, give, or to look Martin Luther King in that way, finally came around, especially in the 1980s, when you had Ronald Reagan uh, finally commemorate, uh, you know, the, uh, I think it's the third Monday of each January as Martin Luther King Day. And so it was a Republican president who gave us this holiday, so don't don't make the mistake of thinking that Republicans haven't figured it out and everybody else don't. No, Republicans are just as fooled as as the left. It's interesting that uh, someone like Ronald Reagan, he had to have researchers researchers to look into this whole movement before agreeing. Because if I remember, I think he was a little reluctant. He really didn't want to do it. He begrudgingly. He went along with it, but because of the attack, he really didn't want to go along with it, I think, if I remember correctly. Well, that may be so, but the fact is, like, people have to remember, during the so-called McCarthy era, uh, um, whenever they were questioning Hollywood celebrities and uh, government agents, so on and so forth, over their ties to communism, Right. a young Ronald Reagan was one of the people they brought in for questioning. And when asked about his take on communism and how communism shall be dealt, shall be dealt with in America, his response was, it was kind of a moderate response. He said something to the effect of, you know, I'm against communism. However, I don't believe we should do much to try to dissuade the communists because they, should, they have a right to be here just like anybody else does. And I have faith in the American people that they would be smart enough to not let communism grow in our country. But boy, was he wrong. Yeah. Um, he, what he failed to take into consideration, again, was the depth that communists are willing to go, whether it means infiltrating the government, infiltrating the schools, infiltrating the universities, infiltrating even the church. The depths that these people are willing to go to, in a sense, uh, cause a shift in mindset among our, our youth in particular but they specifically go after so-called people of color and the LGBTs and everybody else, trying to make them feel that they're victims, that they've been had upon, that this country doesn't love them, 
that everybody else is privileged compared to them. And this is the kind of psychological warfare that they that they use to build their army, again, with the goal of tearing down the country in its entirety. And people who are supposed to be on the front lines, like Mr. Ronald Reagan, um, again, uh, if you take a kind of moderate, kind of soft uh, t- uh, approach to fighting this communism, um, then what ended up happening will end up happening. However, if you take a strong approach, much like McCarthy was trying to do, um, then I think we wouldn't be where we are now. If we would have gone the way of McCarthy, if we would have gone the way of Barry Goldwater and listened to what they had to say instead of believing the media lies, that we would be in a better, in a different situation than what we are now. Yeah. You know, you mentioned something that crossed my mind as you were speaking. I remember when... Uh, homosexual movement started. They they wanted to like be accepted as a norm. And they would say things like, you're treating us in the same way you treat the blacks. You're taking away our rights in the same way you're enslaving us in the same way. And the black people, Democrats, those blacks who were Democrats and those few who were Republican fought against that. They're like, no, it's not the same thing. We were enslaved because of color, blah, blah, blah. And they uh, they would allow the homosexuals to connect their movement to the black, quote-unquote, movement. But well, now I rarely hear the blacks speaking out against that. It has been accepted. What changed? Do you know? Yeah. So the thing that changed specifically, and I tell people this all the time, um, when, you, when you look at black Americans from the end of slavery to around about the 1950s going into the 60s, uh, the average black child grew up with both their mother and the father in the home. Uh, the black man wasn't lazy. He wasn't complaining. He was working. He was taking care of his family, taking care of his children. Yeah. Uh, the mother, uh, she she took seriously her role as a mother, um, as a homemaker, um, as the kind of uh, uh, nurturer for her children. That was the state of the black community and it wasn't like they didn't they weren't focused so much on their color they weren't focused on yeah you know being black they were just focused on being productive and that's thanks in large part to men like booker t washington who told them nobody's going to give you anything nobody's going to give you any handouts it's on you to be responsible to be respectable to to you know to operate as if you have some sense and it wasn't until martin luther king came onto the scene in the 19, late 1950s, going into the 1960s, where he put this emphasis on color. And what he did was he exaggerated the conditions that black people were under. Because even though you had all these Jim Crow laws in certain places, um, a lot of these laws were being repealed. They were falling off the books at the county uh, level, at the state level, because for, for two reasons. One is because they were economically unfeasible. And two, because they were unconstitutional. And so they were falling off the books. And so, you know, we were making, like, real progress, not this fake word that the left uses today, but we were making real progress. Blacks and whites were getting along. And what the communists did, specifically through Martin Luther King, is they emphasized color, and they wanted to basically reopen wounds that have already been healed. And in doing so, um, they wanted to uh, basically put Americans at each other's throats. And so, as I say, Martin Luther King managed to move us from a trying race to a crying race. He yeah. taught us how to cry. He taught us how to beg. He taught us how to complain. And he did it in a very romantic way. He did it in a very glamorous way, uh, such to where he was able to get a, a holiday named after him. So, um, so what he did was he shifted the mindset where we are so infatuated with color. We weren't thinking about color party in the 1960s, but we definitely are now. It seems that America have uh, Americans have been conditioned with social movements uh, from an early age. Um, can you um, uh, speak on the impact of these social movements and their relationship with uh, the educational system? Yeah, so the social justice movements is part and parcel of American public education. Um, 
a long time ago, you didn't have a centralization of education. In other words, there weren't such a thing as public schools. Uh, people educated their children in the way that they saw fit, which was conducive to the culture that they had. So Christians were teaching their children uh, their faith uh, through education. Um, the way that you learned to read was through the Bible. Um, you, and, and also from the Bible, you learned ethics, you learned entrepreneurship. Uh, basically, the Bible uh, was kind of the key. And it, was, it, was, it wasn't until the 1960s when JFK signed legislation um, basically removing the Bible from the schools. Uh, so first, you got to centralize the education, get everybody in one place. Then you got to push uh, integration of the schools so you can get all the black kids and everybody else in the same place. Then you remove the Bible. Then you push secularism, and then you teach them uh, who their heroes are. So you tell them your heroes are people like Martin Luther King, people like Helen Keller, people like you know uh, LBJ and FDR. You teach them that all of these progressive Marxist types are your hero who you should respect. And then from there, you teach them that social justice movements are a good thing. And then I remember when I was in school, I was in third or fourth grade. I was born in 1990. And I I vividly remember on Martin Luther King Day, or it was the day after Martin Luther King Day because we didn't, you know, we were out of school on that Monday. Uh, they, that our teachers had us make protest signs about the yeah. issues that we care about. Uh, you know, one kid cared about the animals, the other kid cared about, you know, global warming, which was a hot button issue at the time in the mid 90s. Um, all of these different things that we cared about. And we made our little picket signs and then we marched around the school uh, protesting for justice as third and fourth graders in the mid 90s. And so, <laughs> Uh, they're doing that same thing today where they're teaching our children to be activists, to be statists, to be leftists. Um, and so it's a, it's a miracle that a young adult becomes a conservative after having gone through the public school system. Our public school systems are deliberately trying to turn out statists who uh, who will welcome and vote for a uh, a kind of socialist, communist utopia. That's the, that's their goal, and they're using our children to do it. And it's funny because you know conservatives have more children than liberals, right? So we as conservatives are having more babies than liberals, and so you would think that it would be our values that are that are um, you know in control, but it's not. Uh, the, we we have the babies. We send our our children to the, their schools. The yeah. left of schools, and, and they take it from there. That's amazing, man. And Uncle Tom, too, you break down how the black church was involved in the civil rights movement. Um, prior to that, from what I knew, most black churches was about teaching about God and salvation and how to love one another, how to treat one another. What made, what made the black churches get involved with the so-called civil rights movement? The, so that's a very good question. Prior to the popularization of Martin Luther King, um, you did have organizations, uh, Marxist leftist organizations, that were trying to get a, a, a foothold, a stronghold in the Negro South, but they were having a very hard time doing it. Uh, groups like the NAACP, which was started by a white socialist woman, they needed a black face to be the head of it. So they brought in W.E.B. Du Bois, in order to convince people, like, look, this is a black organization, even though it wasn't. Um, so W.E.B. Du Bois was all too willing to play the part. But the, the interesting thing about W.E.B. Du Bois and his ilk is that they were all atheists. They were all intellectuals. They all thought that they were the you know, smartest people in the room. And so there was a disconnect between them and the Negroes in the South who were church-going, who were faith-oriented, uh, who were strong men who depended, you know, who who knew it was on them and that they can't depend on, you know, the government or somebody else to give them handouts. And yeah. so the NAACP wasn't able to penetrate the South. And so what what the communists did is they got wise. And Martin Luther King, who was trained uh, at a communist front group, um, um, who grew up uh, as the 
son of a pastor who had a front row seat to watching his his father preach. So he knew full well the kind of oratory, the kind of of uh, you know ebbs and flows and do's and don'ts of of the black church. He went and got educated in a northern seminary, a liberal seminary. And then after he graduated, he came back down to the south. He went to Alabama, and he got to work. And so what Martin Luther King was able to do under the mask of being a, a quote-unquote Christian pastor is what the NAACP was not able to do as effectively, namely uh, convince uh, in a very sly way uh, the black church in the south that this is something that we need to do. This is this is a good thing. This is uh, this is what you know is 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 our Christian duty and our Christian obligation. And he was able to do that because he had that kind of persuasive charm about him. Um, and again, you have to understand that the communists they've invested heavily into the social sciences and the cognitive sciences. So they studied for years how the human mind works, how the group moves. You know, the individual. Uh, is smarter than the group. When you move as a group, you make dumb decisions because you're following a leader. However, if you're moving as an individual, you can see things that the group can't see. But you have to, in a sense, forfeit your individuality. You have to abandon your individuality and go along with, uh, you know, in, in order to go along with the leader. And so that's what these, the, a lot of these churches were primed and ready uh, for the kill. And Martin Luther King was a master play that the communists used in order to, in a sense, uh, infiltrate the Black South. That's amazing. That explains why Margaret Singer, the woman that started this Planned Parenthood abortion issue, uh, she wanted to bring in the black preachers. And so she gave an award, I believe the first award, to Martin Luther King because he was already a communist liberal, and it was easy to just do that. He went along with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, Martin Luther King won um, the Margaret Sanger Award, and you know, he was very grateful and appreciative for it. You know? <laughs> so, you know, that that's another thing that puzzles me uh, as to why conservatives choose to praise Martin Luther King. I mean, how can you say that you're against abortion, but yet the person that you look to as a premier uh, kind of uh, exemplary individual on race issues, he himself didn't have anything negative to say about what Margaret Sanger and her organization was doing. That's something that, you know, a lot of conservatives should think about. Yeah. You know, it explains now why Coretta Scott King was such a liberal abortionist supporter and homosexual supporter and all those things. Because her husband was like that, and I had no idea. Yeah, I used yeah. to wonder why would Martin Luther King with this woman who was so into abortion? She just she was such a liberal. So I guess if the husband liked that, the wife would be that way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that would make sense. And the thing about his marriage with Coretta Scott King is it was it was a kind of transactional marriage. He was actually in love with a a white woman who he met while he was in college in Boston. And he knew that it would be, I mean, he knew what his purpose was. He knew what he would go down to the South and do. And for him to be married to a white woman wouldn't be a good look. He would have a, a, a lot of trouble uh, convincing people of his own kind of heroism. And so for that reason, he chose to, to marry Coretta Scott instead. And, you know, there was a lot of friction between Coretta Scott and uh, Martin Luther King Sr. Uh, Martin Luther King Sr. did not like her, um, but they got married instead. Anyway, so. What a mess. Let me take a quick break. I want to come back so you can give out the information about the movies and how people can get them, all right? All right, sounds good. Okay, hold on. I got to take a quick break. When I come back, your super chats and phone calls as well. Back in a moment. I have books that are amazing. Highly recommend you get them. Seven Guaranteed Steps to Spiritual, Family, Financial Success Guide. Even if you're not starting a business, but you have a job. 
on your welfare. It can help you if you do. Be doers of the word, all right? From rage to responsibility. From rage. That's what I write about in the first chapter, especially how I overcame. Scam. How the black leadership exploits black Americans. They're using them. And blacks are too willing to be used. And then my last book, The Antidote, Healing America from the Poison of Hate, Blame, and Victimhood. They are all amazing books, and they are helpful. Go to RebuildingTheMan.com if you want an autographed copy, or call 800-411-2663. Seven seven five three, seven seven three. There is one line open. I want to just uh, finish up here with Chad, uh, Chad O'Jackson, and Chad is a Dallas-based entrepreneur and researcher who starred in the hit 2020 film Uncle Tom One and Uncle Tom Two. It was amazing. It's a must, must see, really must see. Um, let me go quick back to Chad. So, Chad, one final question, I believe, and that is, are black people today better off or worse off for commemorating Martin Luther King today? Uh, worse off. They're absolutely worse off. Again, that's indicative of like who you who you worship says a lot about you. Yeah. Who, who you praise and admire says a lot about you. And the fact that we praise, worship, and admire Martin Luther King, um, who preached and advocated for the government to be our end-all, be-all, shows that we (laughs) want the government to be our end-all, be-all. I can tell a lot about a person who, for example, has a lot of positive things to say about Booker T. Washington. Because to that extent, you know, you know that, oh, this is a person who believes uh, and self-accountability and responsibility and character and in being an entrepreneur. Whereas somebody who, you know, praises and admires Martin Luther King, oh, this is a person who believes that they're a victim because of their color, that the government needs to act, that the government needs to pass laws to modify life for them because they can't figure it out on their own. Um, I'm not trying to be, you know, ugly or hostile, but it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, again, if, if not for the Civil Rights Movement, if not for Martin Luther King being popularized and heroized, um, then if black people would have stayed on the trajectory that they were already going down, because there was uh, real progress being made in terms of black literacy, in terms of black businesses, um, in terms of just black respectability, there was a lot of progress made from the, again, the late 1800s to the mid-1900s. Uh, what Martin Luther King did is he caused it. He caused a shift. He caused a kind of uh, of uh, you know switching of lanes, so to speak. And so, because of you know from that point to today, for the last sixty years, uh, the black community, the so-called black community, has gone awry. It has veered further and further and further off course. To it seems like they're on the point of no return, uh, but I don't know. I think only God can uh, only God can change that. Right. Absolutely. One last thing, I think, uh, what was so amazing to me, that's in Uncle Tom 2, I believe, where uh, a lot of people have been using the so-called Black Wall Street thing as an example of racism and how the how the white people stopped the blacks and now it's hard for the blacks. It's not known by most people, not just black people, but most people, that black so-called Wall Street was rebuilt after it yep. was torn down. Can you explain that to the folks? 
Yeah, Black Wall Street, uh, which was an area in Tulsa, Oklahoma, known as the Greenwood District. Um, black success, again, black schools, black churches, black businesses. Um, it was a very thriving uh, uh, kind of metropolis in the early 1920s. And there was a brawl. Uh, they like to call it a massacre today, a race massacre. Yeah. It wasn't a massacre, it was a brawl. Yeah, uh, It was blacks fighting whites, blacks died, whites died. And, you know, there were some buildings that were burned down, some houses that were burned down uh, as a result. Um, but what they don't tell you is the editor of the newspaper who started all this, whose name was Richard Lloyd Jones. He was a, he was a Marxist. He was a liberal. Um, he wrote an article entitled it Nab Negro for Raping White Girl. And his, his goal was to entice and build a white mob. He was trying to build a mob. What he was doing was actually quite evil. And it worked. Uh, you know, a, a white folks showed up to the jailhouse. They didn't. They demanded that the sheriff release uh, Dick Rowland, who was arrested uh, for allegedly assaulting a white girl on the elevator. He was later found innocent in 1921. Uh, you know, which is interesting as a side note because you know it's a time where we are told, you know, there was no justice for black people. Every time you know we were accused of something. Um, we were lynched as a result. No, Dick Rowland was found innocent, uh, due process in Oklahoma in the South, uh, because, you know, they followed the law. Uh, the sheriff himself did not release Dick Rowland to the mob because he followed the law. He was a Republican, by the way. Now, what, what ensued as a result of the, um, sheriff not releasing Dick Rowland, again, the mob was very upset. There was also a black mob there. They showed up with their guns. There was a shot fired. Nobody knows who shot the uh, the first, uh, who shot you know their gun first. But there was a brawl that broke out. Um, after it broke out, and everything happened the way it did, as you said, blacks got to work rebuilding their community, and they built it uh, back the way that it was, if not better, and it survived. And, and did very well from the early 1920s to around about the 1960s, which ironically was a time where Martin Luther King came into popularization. Now, to the question of why is it that Marxists or liberals would want to see something like that happen? Why would they want for a black community to burn down the way that it did? The answer to that question, as Manning Johnson put it, is that communists did not want blacks to be successful by... Uh, by the process of capitalism. And the people who were successful in Oklahoma were, again, uh, utilizing their capitalistic kind of uh, uh, motives of, of being successful. Uh, the communists didn't like that. They wanted, for example, the uh, blacks to integrate with the communists, not so much with white Southerners. And so for that reason, they would clandestinely uh, stoke kind of race issues, uh, such as the way uh, Richard Lloyd Jones did. Um, they would burn down churches, they would burn down businesses, and they would frame it as if white Southerners did it, because white Southerners hate blacks. Again, they were all they would always go out of their way to stoke racial division, because if you can build chaos, you can then come in through the back door and say, "Look, I have the answer. Vote for me." Um, you know, praise my heroes, do all the things I'm telling you to do, and we will fix this. We will, you know, show the, show the boogeyman who's boss. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And it's for that reason, once again, why we believe the narrative of Black Wall Street, there was a race massacre. Whites didn't want us to be successful, and so they burned everything down. We believe that Martin Luther King was a hero. We believe LBJ was a hero. We believe FDR was a hero. You'll notice that everybody who they heroized, uh, in the media today, here in 2023, have a leftist kind of ideology that they believe in. Why don't they? Why don't they give the same kind of respect and admiration to people like, uh, say, for example, Thomas Sowell, or yeah. Milton Friedman, or Booker T. Washington, or Grover Cleveland, or William Taft? They don't. They don't. They ignore these people because they go against their agenda. Again to build a socialist utopia, a kind of Tower of Babel. Um, that's, that's their goal, and they're going to continue to praise the heroes and the so-called leaders 
uh, on the way uh, to getting there. And men like Walter William as well, may his soul rest in peace, but he had a, a major impact on the great things in America. But yet exactly. a lot of black people don't even know about him because the black liberals and white liberals have kept him in the background as much as possible. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. 100%. Smart stuff, Chad. How can people get the amazing Uncle Tom 1 and Uncle Tom 2 and whatever information else that you want to put out there? And will there be an Uncle Tom 3? Yeah, so Uncle Tom 2, I recommend that one. Uh, so the thing is, Uncle Tom 1 and 2, although Uncle Tom 2 is a sequel, it is a movie that stands on its own. It does. Um, you don't have to necessarily watch part 1 to get to part 2. Uh, part one, you can, you know, pop it in, you know, uh, during Christmas, make it a, a nice holiday movie. But part two is, is good year round. So I recommend part two, first and foremost, you can find it on Epic Times, uh, or Epic TV, I should say. You can find it on Amazon.com. You can stream it there by a DVD. You can find it on UncleTom.com. Uh, there are other streaming platforms that are forthcoming. Uh, but those are the the main places you can find it right now. Amazing. Uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at Chato Jackson, um, or or Instagram at Chato Jackson. So and, and then yes, there will be Uncle Tom three coming up. We'll be focusing more on blackness uh, as an identity. Uh, how um, you know they're using blackness to destroy America and destroy the world, quite frankly. And so we'll be diving into that. We'll be diving into the so-called culture, uh, the media, the music portion of it, um, all of these people throughout history, Langston Hughes, Nina Turner, Snoop Dogg, who are perpetuating this narrative uh, that blackness is an identity um, that is in need of provisions, is in need of modification, is in need of special treatment. They peddle that narrative, uh, although they have lived and are living such lives of extravagance and, and plenty, they they continue to paint this narrative because it keeps people under control. So we're going to be fleshing that out for Odyssey. Amazing. Well, the one thing I know for sure, Uncle Tom, too, was deep. It was mind-blowing. It was interesting. There's not a boring moment in it, man. So you did a great job on that, and I hope everybody in the mama will continue to buy it and watch it and, and, and so they can get real education as to what happened and how to overcome it. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And you were phenomenal in, in part one and two, by the way. So. Well, it was fun. It was interesting to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chad, thanks for your time, man. I wish you and your family a happy New Year this year, the best year of your life, and that uh, I'm looking forward to the Arkansas 3 if it, it just keeps getting better and better and better. I know you're on the road. Be safe out there. People are crazy, and the weather's <laughs> crazy as well. So be safe out there, man. Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay. Amazing. Chad O. Jackson, folks. Check out Uncle Tom 2. As he said, Uncle Tom 1 is nice, too, but Uncle Tom 2 is the ball, as the young people would say. 888-7753-773. Let me go to Ron out of Texas. Ron, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Hey, Uncle Jesse. How you doing, Ron? Good show. Good show going on. Good Thank show. You. Thank you. Hey, uh, Uncle Jesse, you often say that the law of the Old Testament is done away with. So why do you still keep the Old Testament law of tithing? Uh-oh. Of what? Tithing. Tithe, tithing? Oh, tithing? Yes. You, what's, the your question, the law. what's your question about it? You, you on record saying that the uh, laws of the Old Testament is done away with because of Jesus. So my question to you is, why do you still keep the Old Testament law of tithing? Well, the Old, tes- uh, uh, the Old Testament... Is still alive in the illusion of those people who have not been born of the Father, and so they're not living the New Testament. They're not living it. They're stuck 
because of the fallen state, they're stuck into the Old Testament. And then tithing, I tell people that they should give because what they put out will come back to them, of course. But you should help. If you've got help from a group or a person, you should help so that others can be helped. But don't put, don't have a number to it. Don't say, well, I'm going to give 10%. And most of the time or sometimes you can't even afford to give 10%. You should give what you can afford to give once you pay your bills, have food on your table, a roof over your head. You should give secretly and don't have a number onto it. That's the New Testament. Okay, that's the Old Testament law, the law of tithing. So I just told you, you, I just told you the new one, though. There's no New Testament law. Okay? okay. The law of tithing is in the Old Testament. All right. All the laws are done away with, but you want to keep that law because that's money. All right. Well, I explained it to you, Ron. Thank you so much, all right? I appreciate it. I explained it to him. You want to argue about it. Never argue with religion. Never try to prove anything to the devil. Never argue about God. So I explained to him, don't put a number on it. In the New Testament, you give what you can afford to give and give to help others, you know, as you've been helped, right? But do it in secret and do not put a number on it. 888-773-773. Super chat. Super chat. There's one line open, by the way. One line open at 888-773-773. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Walking on water. How are you? All this way, I was just thinking about Ron. It's interesting. I told him, don't don't put a number on it. It doesn't have to be 10%. It has to be what you can uh, want to give, afford to give. And Ron just didn't want to hear that. It's <laughs> <laughs> 10%. You said, you it's like that went over his head. <laughs> and in the New Testament, there is a giving. Okay. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. Good super morning, chatters. Super Chatters. Yes, sir. Yeah. Let's start over here from church from Mario Baldo. Good morning, Jesse and crew. I hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. Jesse, it's raining in California. Stay safe and careful. Much love. God bless. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you're right. A raining night in L.A. I feel like it's raining all over the world. Rain, 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 all over this world. Amazing. Thank you. Also from church, from Lady Becca, with a very generous donation. Thank you, Lady Becca. Amazing. Amazing. Yesterday's fellowship was amazing. We're stepping it up this year, by the way. You know, because what can happen if you're not really paying attention you get people come in and they become intellectual about the truth. And they'll sit there and just speak the same thing over and over and over again, never getting beyond it. You're not supposed to hold on to knowledge. Let it go so that you can get wisdom. Wisdom come, we let knowledge go. And so, and then so a, a person of knowledge will sit there and go on and on and on. But they're kind of, if you notice, they're, I'm conscious. I'm conscious. Uh, um, there's no me. It just repeat the same thing in the same way the Bible thoughts repeat the Bible. This is not a game. You're fighting for your soul, and it's not something you should let the devil lock you in and play with. You will lose your soul. The intellect, intellectual knowledge, you should let it die. Do not hold on to knowledge. Let it die, all right? Thank you. I appreciate it. And from church, from Ryan8U, no message. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan8U. And from Evgeny Crosby, did you see that Martin Luther King statue? It looked like a giant. Well, never mind. You'll know when you see it. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. And from The World is a Death Cult, brand new member. Thank you. Thank you. From Piotr Robel, thank you, Jesse, and the team for the best fellowship on this side of heaven. Amazing. 
It was really, really amazing. All of them are like amazing, amazing, but they're getting better now in that start to overcome and not hold on to anything. Check it out. You can podcast all the Sunday service at rebuildingtheman.com slash church. Thank you. And from Kohlberger Art with a generous donation, awesome church, Jesse. If I had no concept of numbers, I would think I'd be at my max age. Oh, yeah. I asked the question. Do you know about that? Uh-uh. I asked the question, if you don't know, if you didn't know the day and year and month that you were born, you had no clue, how old would you be today? If you had no clue as when you were born at all, zero clue, how old would you be today? That's a good question. You got to smoke on it. I mean, I guess when you're – an intellectual answer would be depending on how you feel. I mean, not like emotionally feel, but like literally like how healthy you feel. But uh, <laughs> a spiritual answer would be when you're born again, maybe you're like a baby again. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I heard someone ask someone that. If you didn't know when you were born at all, how old will you be today? And I thought that's an amazing question because if you didn't know how, what month, or year, or date you were born, there would be nothing to think about because the idea of being born is just an idea anyway. And then the world took that idea and put, other ideas around it. They took the word I was born, word I was born on this day and they associated it with beginning old, being young, being old, being this or that. <clears throat> but like any other word, if, if you can realize it's just a word and don't build anything around it, you can be free. It's just a word. Oh, and then you would just be. You would just be without yeah. thinking about being young or old. You would just live your life. You wouldn't think about dying or living. You would just live your life. Isn't that amazing? That is. Because now that you know how old you are and you're looking at the people before you, they're dying at 70, 80, 90. Now they're dying younger, 20, 13, 15, 16. And so it makes you compare yourself to that because you say, oh, I'm getting old. I'll be dying soon. <laughs> what a mess. Imagination, anyway. yeah. A mess. <laughs> All right. And very interesting. And from Mr. J, Tony, get out of JLP's chimney. Never <laughs> doubt a black man and his chimney. That's right. Amazing. Okay, thank you. We'll do the rest uh, when we come back. Thank you all so much. Thank you, thank you. Also, thank you all for your membership, too, on the Father State dot com I mean fallestate.tv and other Jesse Lee Peterson and church and all that. Thank you. Let me take another break, another hour to go. We're gonna move more calls and more super chats. Another hour to go. Hate is coming in with hate news, not the fake news. Back in a moment. We have a counseling service, and I have to admit, thanks to God, it is the best counseling service on this side of heaven. I counsel with men and women, families, individuals around the world. Most people are unhappy, they're miserable, they have rough lives, they're depressed, suicidal, young and old, of all races. I understand, I know why, and I do understand it. Because exactly what's happening in me is happening with everybody outside of me, inside of them. And I've noticed that with those who really, really, really want to understand, they overcome it just like that. Out of one counseling session. If you need counseling, you can go to rebuildingtheman.com or call 800-411-2663. 800-411-BOND. Best counseling service on this side of heaven.
Sleepy Joe under attack from the liberals for those stolen classified documents and Russian airstrikes or air strikes on Ukraine. More propaganda for you and some pop culture mess for you guys. This is the end of hour two of the Jesse Lee Peterson show. It is Monday, January 16th, 2023 AD. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Uh, shout out to Chad O. Jackson, JLP's guest for this hour. Hour three is coming right up. Last hour of J.C. Lee Peterson show coming right up. But first, fake news, not fake news. Is Sleepy Joe being thrown under the bus? Commie Nonsense Network, CNN reports the White House, black on the inside White House, is facing increasing criticism for their lack of transparency related to the recent discovery of classified documents? Found at President, so-called President, Sleepy Joe Biden's personal residence and a private office from his time as so-called Vice President under Obama. The initial batch of documents was found at his former private office November 2nd, days before the midterm elections, but not revealed to the public until last week. The classified material included some top secret files with the sensitive compartmentalized information designation which is used for highly sensitive information obtained from intelligence sources, so-called intelligence. Many Republicans are now comparing Biden's case to the Trump probe, including the House Oversight Chair James Comer, who told Commie Nonsense Network that he is asking for more documents and communications related to the searches of Biden's homes and other locations linked to the so-called president's aides. And your daily dose of Ukraine propaganda open wide. Coming on, says Network CNN reports, a Russian missile strike on an apartment building in Dnipro, Ukraine, killed at least 40 people. Ukraine officials claimed today after explosions were heard across the country. Regional authorities said 39 people, including 14 children, had been rescued so far and 46 people remain missing. Russia's latest strikes appear to target critical infrastructure, communist buzzword, across Ukraine as the Kremlin continues its efforts to limit the country's ability to heat and power itself in the middle of winter. Damage to power infrastructure from the wave of strikes has led to emergency power cuts today in most regions across Ukraine, according to Energy Minister Herman Halushchenko. That's what he said. Uh, Critics' Choice Awards 2023, whatever that is, Commie Nonsense Network CNN reports Brendan Fraser, also known as Encino Man, picked up the award for Best Actor on his role in The Whale, which was emotional, I heard. Uh, And you can see who else won on the Commie Nonsense Network's website at the Critics' Choice Awards on Sunday, whatever that is. Kobe Bryant's iconic Lakers jersey is expected to fetch millions at an auction. Common Nonsense Network CNN reports the signed jersey was worn by the five-time NBA champion who is now dead. More than 25 times during the 2007 to 2008 season. It's also the same jersey that Kobe Bryant wore in an iconic photo in which he's all celebrating and saying, yes, something like that. Hunger strike in you in a Iran prison by one guy who's an American, supposedly. Commie Nonsense Network CNN reports seven. That's how many days an American wrongfully detained, they call him, in Iran will go without eating in an attempt to get Sleepy Joe Biden to take notice of U.S. detainees there, specifically him. The hunger strike was launched today by Siamak Namazi. Nice American name. Marks seven years since he was left behind in, o- in an Obama-era prisoner swap that brought other Americans home, including that Christian pastor, Saeed Abedini. Remember him? I remember him. Killing over disrespect? Call Nonsense Network CNN shares a quote. It appears the only motive to this was a minor altercation. That's a quote from Captain Jack Kennedy of the Tuscaloosa Violent Crimes Unit. Issuing a statement after a University of Alabama basketball player was charged with murder over the weekend. Darius Miles, 21-year-old junior at the university, was allegedly involved in a shooting near a campus that left a 23-year-old woman dead, according to law enforcement. Removed from the team, held without bond. I'm James Hake, now on the JLP, Hour 3.
This has been the Jesse Lee Peterson Show, guys. Thank you, JLP. And 